Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing Mystery 7, Dawn and the Disappearing Dogs. It's very alliterative. Woo-hoo. That's my sad dog noise. That's kind of sounding more like an L. Okay, that's better. Uh, thanks. <laughs> okay. Oh, Do you guys man. have your one-sentence summaries? Yeah. Sure. I'll start with mine. It's a question. Dawn doesn't like animals? Yeah. Correct. Okay. I, <laughs> I would prefer not to have a pet. <laughs> <laughs> no if I must have a pet, me. it will be a cat. I like Ripley, okay? She's a great cat. My one sentence summary is cops are trash. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. How yes. about you, Anne? The first mystery where I did not know what was going to happen. Oh, whoa. Okay, well, until like three-fourths of the way into the book. But oh, until man. until they found out whose car it was, I mean, yeah. I was like, where is this going? Yeah. Fair. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> well, it's much more of a mystery than like... I don't. I can't remember some of the others because they were so non-mysterious. The only other mm-hmm. real mystery was like what happened to Jake Coon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was—I felt like this was a mystery that I would write because it just takes like—it's <laughs> kind of a cheap out. It's really good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay, wait, you guys. Um, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Annie Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. And I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual and I like health food and don't like animals. <laughs> Just kidding. If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. Our next hot take is going to be us reading, rereading rather. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, in anticipation of the movie coming in April. Oh, April's soon. April's soon. Yeah. Damn. Okay. We also have a fun listener letter this week. Shall I read it? Yes. Okay. Our biggest fan. Is he our biggest fan? He's a big fan. We love him. One of our biggest fans. Michael Wadham writes, for funsies, I completed a second complete collection of the books. The first being my own personal collection at home for my office at work in the hopes that my students might want to read them one day. To encourage this and help students collaborate and build positive relationships with each other, I started a babysitter's club club at school, complete with a reading challenge where students can earn badges and prizes for reading BSC books. I even reached out to Anna Martin herself on Facebook Messenger to ask if she would be willing slash available to FaceTime with the club if they collectively read a thousand books this year. But she very graciously said she doesn't do things like that. She did say, though, that she will send signed posters for me to give away as prizes. Hooray. Awesome. Additionally, club members meet every three weeks and talk about the books, recreate the covers and take photos, play games related to the sitters. For example, run to the poster on the wall of the sitter. You. Oh, who would most likely, etc. And in true Christie fashion, they've decided to hold a carnival in the spring for a local charity, complete with booths of activities designed after each sitter, painting mini canvases, batting cages, fashion selfie booth, petting kittens, pin the tail on the horse, recycling education and bin toss, et cetera. Okay, that's incredible. (laughs) Really, really good. 
We even have a real life, legit Project Runway winner parent with a student in the club who will be working with the kids to design their own cosplay costumes to wear at the carnival. Amazing. And for BSC TV movie script readings at meetings. <laughs> so elaborate. I love it. Oh my God. It's so good. It's been a true delight to spend so much time talking about the BSC with my students and watching them get as excited as I did about reading them. They love to test me and I love to play along. For example, them in front of my bookshelf. Mr. Wadham, what is number 97? Me across the room. Claudia and the world's cutest baby, of course. The book itself is pink. Claudia's wearing a bowling shirt with her name on it, is rocking a side pony and holding a baby. Them. Wow. <laughs> this is like next level. Even Esme doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Okay, he continues. I don't have to tell you how great these books are, how they open the door to a variety of themes, ideas, topics, and developmentally appropriate ways. Child abuse, eating disorders, illness, wellness, death of a classmate, divorce, friend drama, and more. Or how could I could write an entire SEL curriculum using these books. Ooh, maybe I will do that. Keep us posted. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but they continue to enrich my life all these years later. Also, thanks for providing me with grownups with whom I can hang out with and talk about the BSC and learn things from too. I wanted to share all this with you because I just know you'll resonate with it and you'll understand more than most others. Happy podcasting, pizza toast to rambling, but heartfelt emails from your fans. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. That's fantastic. Yeah, so cool. I wish that my elementary school counselor had a BSC themed club. And I, I would have been all over it. I would have been president and Anne would have been vice president. Actually, that was still my Marianne time. I would have been secretary and Anne would have been vice president. <laughs> I would have been like alternate officer. Ooh, you would have been gone. Well, I mean, not after this book. I don't want to be done. <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. Yeah, I mean, shots fired. Uh, she sucks in every book. I don't know. No, what, we're doesn't. surprised. <laughs> I didn't feel like she sucked more than usual in this book. It's like more than usual. Pretty, yeah, pretty typical Dawn. <laughs> typical Dawn. Yeah, she's a real Dawn. drag. It was. <laughs> yeah. So let's go over what happened in this book. Okay. Great. Dawn doesn't like animals. <laughs> but she doesn't get pets. Doesn't okay. get pets. Which I Emily doesn't get fandom. <laughs> I don't get fandom. I also don't really get pets, frankly. <laughs> you have a pet that you love. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I still don't get it. <laughs> wait, wait, what don't you get? They're animals that are supposed to live outside, and they just like live in our house. I don't get it. <laughs> okay, carry on. Now. Well, I mean, yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't want like a house cat is supposed to live outside. <laughs> yeah, you don't want like a tiger in your house. But I feel like a cute little cat's okay. Yeah, I love my cat. Anyway, I'm just saying, I get it. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of in between. I definitely like pets and I like animals, but I definitely am not like I like I like people better than animals, and I'm okay with admitting that. This is where we lose a bunch of listeners. Mm-hmm. It's like unsubscribe. Yeah, I, I mean, I like animals a lot, but I, I do feel like animals are better than people. Oh yeah, I don't think that's true. Interesting. Well, I'll be leaving this podcast right now. Okay, so Dawn doesn't like animals, or she doesn't get pets. Mm -hmm. But somehow she has to sit for, like, the menagerie of the Mancusis. Mm -hmm. And then dogs start to disappear, including Cheryl, the Great Dane, and Shannon, the Christie's dog. Yeah. And then that is the Bernese Mountain Dog puppy. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's still a puppy three years later. Shannon will always be a puppy because <laughs> they be will puppy. always be 13. <laughs> Just like poor Emily Michelle will never learn English. Will oh my be God. Two. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. That is kind of <laughs> disturbing. So then now there's like all these Stony Brook dogs that are disappearing. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the babysitters are on the case. 
Yes. And they start, you know, trying to solve this mystery. There's a mysterious green car that Don feels convinced is connected to the disappearing dogs. Yeah. She gets an icky feeling about it when she's when she and Jesse are walking Cheryl and the other dogs before Cheryl gets stolen. She's mm-hmm. like, what's going on with that green car? And, and then, then she sees it again at a crusher's practice. And then they figure out, should I just tell the ending now? Oh, I think we should wait. Okay. <laughs> and then basically the B plot is Bart and Christie's softball team is make an all-star team. Yes. To compete against another New Hope team. Yeah, the New Hope All-Stars. Right. The Crashers. The Crashers. Which I love. Yeah. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's it. There's not really much like friendship plot. It was Mm-mm. like Christy and Bart both being nervous about how the Crashers will do. And Dawn especially trying to solve the case because Dawn likes mysteries, but also because she feels guilty that Cheryl was taken on her watch. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I have a complaint about the journal entries. Yes. Jesse's They're handwriting is, drives me insane. <laughs> I can't read it. You hit a wall. <laughs> it's like two words per line. Yeah. It's graceful. Yeah. It really looks like a font (laughs) more than the other ones, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it looks like it actually looks a little bit like all of those fonts that are on Etsy right now that people get for their weddings and stuff and for like baby showers. It's like a a thinner version of those. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's hard, especially when you're reading. So what you're referencing is there's like chunks of text from their like stakeouts of different areas where they're looking for the green car. And you're like, okay. Here's what Christy has to say. Okay, here's what uh-huh. Claude has to say. And then you're like, oh, Jesse. Like it it's slows like your brain reading down a lot. Hieroglyphics or something. And like, <laughs> what is happening here? Mallory is my favorite handwriting. It's oh, very easy to read. And enough. actually most similar to my own handwriting, I feel. I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> Tauruses have to stick together. All right. Well, Emily, I feel like you should reveal who was taking the dogs because it's so it's so perfectly in line with some things that we've learned from you. Yeah. So Dawn sees like a suspicious green car and then she remembers seeing it like a couple other times. And so instead of just going to the police and saying, I was there when one of the dogs got taken and I saw a green car, she like solicits the BSC to help track it down gets the license plate number and goes to the police station and is like, I found the person stealing the dogs. And the cop is like, okay, cute. Okay, cute. And like, doesn't do anything. <laughs> and then they start like tailing kind of the car and they trace it to a new pet store that's also suspicious because it's like closed on a Saturday when Marianne <laughs> goes to try to buy a Tigger a toy. Yeah. And they see this like, rich guy uh, in town in the shop and then they go back and ask the cop like hey have you you know traced that license plate and he's like yeah i ran it it belongs to mr tate like there's no way he's you know he's responsible for this why would carl tate have anything to do with crime yeah and then don i guess gets a hunch i don't i can't remember if this is from something she observed or just like she pulls it out of her ass on a whim but she's like let's do an experiment and like ask for a breed of puppy that they don't have and see if they, what they say. And they're, oh, yeah, she does a shop. bunch of research at the library. She memorizes yeah. a bunch of names of dog breeds. 
And then the shop owner is like, well, we don't have one, but I can get one for you. And she's like, ta-da, gotcha. And then during the big softball game, they see a woman that is not Mrs. Mancusi walking the Mancusi's dog. Cheryl, yeah. yeah, All the way over in New Hope. Yeah, all the way over in New Hope. And they call the cops and the cops come and they're like, when did you get this dog? And the woman goes a week ago and then everything's busted open. And it turns out that Mr. Tate is behind it because he's broke. Yeah, he lost his money in real estate. (laughs) Yeah, he lost his money in real estate in the 90s, sure. The early 90s, right? Yeah. Where Clinton saved the economy. He's like barely, he's only been in office two months. I'm going to talk about Clinton in a second. I know. Yeah, so the the kids solve it and then they get to be in the newspaper. How many times are the BSC going to be in the Stony Brook News? Is I this know. the second or third time? Forever. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Weren't they in the news? Okay. They were in the news after the Stanley incident? Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was one other time, like maybe for a different mystery. Jake Coon? Oh, yeah. Jake Coon. When they, yeah. When Jake Coon was found. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I actually thought, okay, so like 80s and 90s, we've talked about this before in the Jake Coon case, is like the peak of like stranger danger right and this book i think i thought it was like towing that line a little bit you know when they start to get suspicious of the car and they're speculating about like the motivations like who could possibly you know be so ethically depraved that they would separate pets from their families and like even jesse even at one point goes like well maybe there's something like psychologically wrong with them you know Uh maybe they're like a psychopath and then the girls are like no and there ends up being like actually a fairly plausible reason that has nothing to do with like kinds of moral um, transgressions that we associate with crimes related to children and strangers. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like he's just fucking broke and he's like trying to make some cash, which is, I feel like big money and dogs. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's like fucking Corella DeVille over here, but not, you know what I mean? Like it's actually kind of like a, in a way sort of normalizes the, Mm -hmm. the crime rather than rendering Mr. Tate, like some horrific criminal, which I thought was kind of interesting because I think it would have been really easy to like do, go the stranger danger route, especially given, right, that like it's Clinton and like, you know, Clinton carries on that Reagan era tradition of like parading lost and murdered children as like the the reason to pass crime bills, right? And you see like mass incarceration increasing like, you know, tenfold under Clinton's administration yeah, right yeah. yeah oh yeah and I thought so I thought it was interesting that like the the girls you know just ding that but then don't go that route and then you know it's just like a normal guy who is corrupted by wealth or mm-hmm. not by like some you know weird predatory like oh yeah thing yeah. I think I this thought is that was totally Anna Martin's liberal agenda. Yeah. Like, yeah. I thought through. it was kind of cool. Yeah. And I think it worked. Yeah. You know, like he's like, oh, he's just like a shitty rich guy who lost his money and is now like preying on other people. Like, yeah. it's a kind of fun indictment of like a, well- a wealthy person. In it also. No. And I loved it. <laughs> and I loved the red herring of when they when Christy and Marianne and Don are at the police o- office police office at the station when the, no, the op- police office yeah. <laughs> and, they're, and, they're <laughs> and they're talking to the this like dick officer who you know does not give them the time of day multiple times throughout the book and dawn of course doesn't know who he is because she's not mm-hmm. a native stony brooker and the officer is like 
you know, so she asks who's Carl Tate, and he says, just one of the wealthiest men in Stony Brook. And Christy says, he owns property all over town. I've heard Watson talk about him. He's an important businessman. Well, I read that as businessman. (laughs) (laughs) And so then the officer says, that's right. Now, do you think someone like Mr. Tate would waste his time driving around stealing dogs? I mean, no. Yeah. I don't think so. (laughs) Right. But he I definitely love- has hired someone to do that. <laughs> but I love the idea of that, you know, because this is the transition, right? This is we're only two months into Clinton. There's, we're mm-hmm. coming off of Bush one. And so I love this transition of like this defense, like mm-hmm. he's rich, so he must be fine. Right. This like conflation of why would he do such a thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, defense. I think it indicts him a bit, but it doesn't like completely sort of dismantle that defense right Right. because like of course it's not that he's rich and like committing this crime it's that he was rich and the fact that he's not anymore is why he's committing the crime Mm -hmm. right so it's still kind of like it doesn't fully dismantle that association of like wealth with um, incapacity or like lack of motive or something to like be a criminal yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but i did think it made some steps toward like not caving into the like you know, stranger danger panic and like making the criminal like a little more complicated insofar as he's not like there's nothing pathologically wrong with him. He just had like very simple kind of motivations that were contextual. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. And what do you think he would have done to try to get his money back? If not this very obviously lucrative dog. Well, I did look up how much. Yeah. Like I was looking up how much. Great Danes go for, mm-hmm. and it's between. And these are like puppies, but between one thousand and three thousand. So mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety three, I guess I wonder you know, it's less than that. But it just not seem like it would be worth his time <laughs> to go around stealing dogs from people's lawns. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, okay, I thought it was really funny. You know, in twenty twenty, when you have like George Floyd protests and everyone's talking about defunding the police and the mm-hmm. backlash against that, right? Everyone's like, well, what will we do about serious things? Mm-hmm. Right. But like in this case, the the it's the most obvious crime in the world, like to Anne's point, right? Like he's yeah. literally driving around in a very noticeable car that's right. like distinct <laughs> and like so noticeable that children can track it. And then like stealing people's pets and like selling them as adult dogs to other people one town away. It's like the stupidest crime in the world and the cops can't solve it. Like, mm-hmm. so whenever people are like, well, you know, what, what about things like if you get robbed, like the cops don't do shit when you get robbed. They just come take your statement and like give you a report to send to the insurance company. Like they don't prevent robbery. Like eighth graders solved this crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple sixth graders, but yes. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Children, literal children. <laughs> yeah. So, is the pet store was like he opened the pet store? I think, or was it? I think there? he like reached out to the pet store to be like, "Hey, let's run this scheme." And then, because remember, then the cop is like, "Oh yeah, they." It was so lucrative that they started like closing the store they didn't even need to open it on saturday for like (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's that's my corner that's my take (laughs) it 
it's yeah, he think? came up with a bunch of schemes for making money and shopped them around. Oh, sorry, I should do my cop voice. He came up with a bunch of schemes for making money and shopped them around. The pet store <laughs> people were the first ones to bite. What they did was steal dogs to order. They'd get a customer who was looking for a great Dane see, and the next thing you know, Cheryl gets stolen. Finished Mrs. Mancusi. So funny. He said they found out there was big money in it. I mean, big okay. money in dogs. So- <laughs> I know. So are the are the dogs like a, you know, like a metaphor for something else? Like, you know, like, is it drugs? Is it, you know, it could be maybe who's the writer? Eileen? Ellen Miles. Ellen Miles. You know, I can see this actually working with something other than dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What, what other I mean, it is, it is like, like cars. Like you, you like. Yeah. Yeah, you steal cars and you resell them, or you steal car parts and you resell them. You know, yeah. Mm. The weird part, I mean, you would sell at black market probably, and not at like a Stony Brook pet store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so fucking weird. Yeah, it's totally so weird. weird. Mm. Totally weird. Awesome. I was just—it struck me as a very Emily plot as we were going through. So I hope you enjoyed it, Em. I did. I liked it a lot. <laughs> you know, I like. For an abolitionist, I love crime fiction, but I like crime. I like crime fiction where like the criminal is like complex and multifaceted and that isn't like just a morally bankrupt person mm-hmm. who's arbitrarily committing crimes. So like, I think it's interesting. Anyway, yeah, I wouldn't very, call this crime fiction necessarily, yeah. but. I'm just in general, very intrigued by, by Mr. Tate. Like how old is he? Yeah, he sounded young from the description. Like when they first said it, I pictured him as older just because I, you know, when you hear rich guy, I picture an old white man because I grew up in the United States. I picture like the Monopoly man. Yeah, but (laughs) 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 But he sounds more like a Ken doll or something, the way they described him. How do we have such different (laughs) ideas of what this man looks like? No. (sighs) Okay, hold on. They did. They did describe him. I'm just trying to find where it happened. Other people can look too if we want to know. But Well, I have a Kindle, so it's kind of hard. He was a tall, broad man with lots of thick blonde hair. He looked strong and healthy like one of those wrestlers on Saturday TV. Wait, what? That's the description. So it looks like Hulk Hogan? Oh, yeah. no. Hulk Hogan didn't have a lot of hair. That's very interesting. Yeah. Well... What are you going to do? All right. So pets, people like to have them. There's there's a lot of research on I don't them. get it. <laughs> Emily doesn't get it. Well, Emily, it turns out you may be accurate in terms of the research. So I think pet food companies what else is new? and the, the pet industry <laughs> spend a lot of time talking about how good pets are for our mental health and everything else. But there's a kind of central question of do pets make people happier? And the answer is like definitely no. And kind of along the lines of the literature of like happiness levels after people have children, pets do not tend to make people happier. They don't make people unhappy necessarily, but they don't have any long-term effect on people's happiness. Or That's so weird. Something that literally depends on you daily for its existence doesn't make you happier. So the tricky thing in psychology is our definitions of things like happiness, right? right. And so it can obviously have other benefits and can convey meaning and can, you know, do lots of other things for you. But if you're just looking at raw happiness as the outcome, does not increase happiness. And one one theory about that is what's called the hedonic treadmill or hedonic adaptation. Have you guys heard of this before? 
Mm-mm. It was yeah. featured toward the end of The Good Place, but that's the only place that most people have heard of it. Mm. But it's it's basically the idea that new things and things that we assume will create happiness in our lives usually only do so for like a brief bump. And then we go back to our baseline. Like most mm-hmm. humans have a set baseline of happiness. Some of us are lucky and it's a little higher than other people, but we usually hover around whatever our sort of temperamental baseline of happiness is. Oh, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and sorry. What but if we're really like, sad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, things like travel and, you know, relationships or even just buying something or going out to eat or getting a pet can give us a boost in the short term, but then mm-hmm. we tend to go back to our baseline. The good news about that is when things are really bad, we also tend to go back to our baseline. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, I think we, you know, we're sort of simple. And so we think like, okay, if, if I, you know, if I really want a cat and I add a cat to my life, it's going to make me that much happier and I'll always be happier. And it just, most things don't change our happiness long-term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me yeah. intuitively. I mean, does anything make us happy long-term? Yeah. I mean, I just like, I mean, I can't really think of anything. Besides- I mean, yeah, I think the things, this is a very psychologist answer, but it's more the the daily practices that you have mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of internal strategies. Well, that's like that's in like line with internal things, like even Aristotelian takes on happiness, right? Like Aristotle argued that like happiness is the only thing that is an end in itself. And so like when you when you pursue other things for the sake of thinking that they'll make you happy, that you don't actually gain happiness from that. Right. So like if you pursue wealth, thinking wealth will make you happy and you, that, that, that's going to lead to like excess and greed. And so happiness is actually about tacking between excess and deficiency and like moderate. It's like a practice that you cultivate kind of. Exactly. Which is why the, the data that is clear on pets for all of our listeners is what does help happiness longer term is putting in quality time with your pets. So mm. playing with your cat, walking your dog, teaching your dog tricks, you know, brushing your rabbit, whatever it is, talking to your bird. Oh, the, I want to brush a rabbit. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> that's, nice. That's sound nice. <laughs> so those like mindful experiences of connecting with your pet and doing things with them. It's not just like that you have a pet in your house and you happen to own one, mm-hmm. but those moments of connection do have an impact both in the moment and then can build longer term. Wait, I have a question. Is it, you know how people say that pets are good because they teach kids responsibility. Is that true? That is true. So the next thing that I looked into was about kids because there's lots of claims about kids and pets Mm -hmm. and there's actually lots of data too. So I did a quick lit search. I found 1,294 peer-reviewed studies about pets and children going back. Damn, that's a lot. Yeah. Going back to 1909, basically before the birth of psychology. Some of them are real bullshit. I found one about like a poor, poor nine-year-old girl who was in psychoanalysis for three years because she had separation anxiety. Just for context, our treatment for separation anxiety now is about 10 sessions. But for, for most kids, more severe, a little bit longer. But it talked about her quote unquote obsession with her household pets and how it like served to sublimate her sexual impulses and and it was just ridiculous. But (laughs) the more recent stuff shows a lot of positives for pets and kids, not just for responsibility, but for respect, empathy. There's even some studies looking at the positive effects of of grieving, of having going through bereavement when a pet dies, having a, Mm. uh, you know, 
additional understanding of Mm -hmm. love and loss and the grieving process. Pets do tend to help kids get more physical activity, teach them patience, help with social skills. So, and then there's a, there was a lot of starting in the fifties and sixties, there was sort of a worry that pets were dirty and that they Mm. were going to make kids sick. And actually the data seems the opposite that growing up in a home with pets strengthens your immune system and yeah, germs are good. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it has a lot of benefits for kids health longer term and kids who grow up in homes with pets are less likely to have allergies and all kinds of things like that. So, so there, yeah, there's a lot of positive outcomes. So even though parents, it won't make you happier, it's probably good for your kids <laughs> if you have a pet. What about guinea pigs? <laughs> yeah, they're fine. You guys are fine. They're little rats. That... They're fat and they're dumb and they're wall-eyed and they make cute noises. We have yeah. two guinea pigs. That's why they're. But you guys are getting a cat, right? I I think so. Although. So we're, we're moving. This is my last episode I'm going to record in this closet, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. And there are three cats that live in our backyard that seem that I think like literally come with the house. So I don't know. <laughs> like, I think the previous owners just left them. They like try to get in the house all the time and they're like really loud and chatty. So we may have three cats already without. Trying, wow. So. But I kind of wanted my own kitten like Tigger. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Is there That's like amazing. a, just as you're talking about, I mean, it's pretty obvious to me that animals are good for kids or like mm-hmm. are beneficial, but yeah. there is like a economic aspect to that. For and sure. like, you know, they yeah. take time and resources. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So interestingly, I think there was, I, I couldn't find a lot differentiating because I think that the stereotype, of course, is like a dog is good, right? Because, you, I mean, dogs definitely help the most with physical activity because you need to walk the dog. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also like, you know, dogs have been America's favorite pet for a very long time. We sort of romanticize the dog in U.S. culture. But I definitely saw studies that were like, you know, a hamster still provides all these benefits, like a bird still provides all these benefits. So I think there are, you know, a turtle, a fish, like it's, it's about that spending the time connecting and taking care of them and thinking about things from the animal's perspective. What about snakes? (laughs) Yeah. So I think my point being, there's a lot of cheaper animals, right. That, that even low resourced families can sort of handle. What about the lizards in your backyard? Do you have lizards in your backyard? Aaron and I used to catch tarantulas in three rivers. Oh, yeah. We have lizards here. Like, oh, yeah. want to hear a funny Florida story? Yes. So, Always. You know, Mike is from Florida, so he's very, like, he's like, oh, lizards and geckos. Yeah. And there was one at my friend's house just, like, sitting on a rock. And they are like, oh, it's a, it's a lizard. And Mike was like, oh, it's fine. They won't hurt you. And he just picked it up and put it on his shoulder mm-hmm. and just continued to go about his business. <laughs> And he's like, if you put them up to your earlobe, they might bite it. And it's like an earring. (laughs) Micah is so Florida. Wow. (laughs) Uh, We're going back to Delray Beach in April. I kind of want Micah to come. Oh, my God. We'll come meet you. Perfect. (laughs) Okay, then I will have FOMO. I'll be like, Shannon situation. I want to come for a weekend. (laughs) Well, I'm leaving the day that Keely leaves New York. Okay. Oh man. Fun. All right. No other psychology. Okay. Well, actually, this is a good transition to. There's a part in the book where Don has a word affinity with an iguana. Yes, it's like a deep connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let me try. I think I highlighted the passage. Let me see. I love the reptile house. It's my favorite part of the zoo. Yes, it is. Is it really, Emily? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I never, just, I never knew this about you. Christmas and I'm, I was like, oh, are we going to the reptile house? And Emily was like, yes. She got really Okay, here it is. <laughs> Dawn says, there is something about the iguana that I really liked. I can't explain it. She was just as scaly as Barney, but she looked friendlier. And even though she had those spines, I somehow knew right away that she was totally harmless. Hi, Petey, I whispered into the tank. I smiled at her, and I could have sworn that she smiled back. And suddenly, I was looking forward just a little bit more to my weekend as a zookeeper. So I guess Emily and Don are the same person, basically. Because <laughs> they don't I get mean, pets, but they like... Have a special mm-hmm. connection to reptiles. They, they have a special connection. Okay, well, I just have a lot of little like nuggets that I just... Love, like, a, nuts. love a nugget. Been a little Dave. while since we've had okay. some nuggets. I mean, not all of them are pop culture related, but... Okay, so number one, Don eats pie, but not lasagna. Yeah. What? And she also likes pancakes. But lasagna's not even, like, that unhealthy. (laughs) Yeah, but I I, I found that very confusing. She's eaten veggie lasagna before. Yeah. Uh, I just I just thought that wasn't that it was that Don doesn't eat lasagna, but that's Richard and Marianne won't eat the curry. Right. Okay, what about the pie? What about the pie? Pie is not health food. It's a dessert. Yeah. Well, we don't know how Sharon makes it. But I think it's just one of those gross fruit things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Pretty low sugar. But pancakes, I feel like, are not on Don's like list of foods. Maybe they're like buckwheat pancakes. Yeah, you can make a pretty crunchy pancake. Yeah, but then Marianne wouldn't like it though. Right. I know. You know I'm, I mean? I'm with I, you. It's a little sus. It's a little sus, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather eat peanut butter and ketchup or fig noodles and marshmallow fluff? None of the above. I'm going with the fig and marshmallow for yeah. sure. Emily. You gotta choose like one. Marshmallows. So you're going to have to go peanut butter ketchup. No. Ew. You like tomatoes? You like peanut butter? Ew. Yeah. So patrons, Ew. for our next for our next hot take, no. Emily will be eating a peanut butter and ketchup sandwich. Emily will not. <laughs> Emily will do no such thing. Oh, the triplets. Okay, I would can- put peanut butter on a fig Newton. Well, yeah. Well, but that's, that's not a choice. Well, not- you know what? I don't. Then do I'm that. not playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go home. Yeah, I'm going home. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. <laughs> okay. Can you name some famous? Great Dane. Marmaduke? Yes. Is Clifford is... a Great Dane? I don't no. think so. Is Scooby a Great Dane? Yes. <laughs> There's one more that you can probably get. In the same universe. I mean, Scrappy? Well, Scrappy is a puppy Great Dane. Yeah. But is that who you were thinking of? No. Astro from the Jets. Astro! Oh. Astro, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Astro Jetson. Astro Jetson's mm-hmm. a, a great one. Dane. Yeah. He looks smaller to me. He's a medium Dane. <laughs> I, I call bullshit. <laughs> there was a really, really giant Great Dane in our neighborhood when we were kids that I was very scared of. It was like the size of a horse. It was bigger than the person that walked it. It was terrifying. I mean, they are the gentle giants. Okay. Really? I just looked up a picture of Astro Jetson. I I, I rescind my bullshit. <laughs> Fine. George is just taller than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think George was hot as me as a child? No. Oh. I feel like he's, he like. He's no Roger from 101 Dalmatians. Okay, fine. Emily's just making a horrible face right now. I was more into Aladdin. So was um, Michelle. Yeah, Michelle was really into <laughs> Aladdin. Yeah. 
Okay, wait. Okay. Who's your Disney crush, though? You didn't answer. Oh, I can't really think. I'm on Team Roger. Emily's on Team Aladdin. I need choices, is the thing. So you guys, I'm going to keep okay. on talking. You guys think of some choices for me. King Triton. Prince Eric? Yeah. No, Eric. he's too basic. Jafar? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, Jafar's pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the genie? <laughs> what about what about the like fox robin hood from the yeah. oh yeah he's pretty cute i don't yeah. know why but foxes are always hot like in zootopia Remember yeah there was foxes are thing? always hot there was like this thing after zootopia came out where everyone was really attracted to like the two main characters and like people were very confused as to why <laughs> Look it up. There are, there are like eight pieces of This is it. my favorite episode we've ever done. Okay, two other nuggets is Scooby-Doo. I think this might be true or not, but his name came from the scat that Frank Sinatra did at the end of Strangers in the Night. Mm-hmm. Scooby and Dooby-Doo. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the And then my last thing is, you know, they mentioned The Incredible Journey, the book. Oh, peril. So much peril. So much peril. But I was wondering which one of us would be each each animal in the book. So I'm since I feel like the review, it's been a real long time since I read The Incredible Journey. Well, we'll go. Okay, I think we should go by the Disney movie because that's the one we're all more familiar with. I couldn't handle the Disney movie as a child. I had to turn it off. I was too stressed out. Really? Yes. So much peril. Same with like what is the other one? Milo and Otis. Stressful. Mm-hmm. Wait, is the is the movie Homeward Bound or is it actually The Incredible Journey? It's called Homeward. Oh, Homeward yeah, yeah, yeah. Bound, okay, okay. The Incredible Journey. Yeah, that movie destroyed me. Yeah, I, well, it, Emily's like, definitely the cat. Life. Emily's the cat. <laughs> sassy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's played, sassy. Played right? by Sally Field. Okay. And then <clears throat> I feel like the other two don't really fit our personalities as me because one okay. is like the old loyal dog who's like yeah. wise. That's obviously me. But then the other one's like super energetic and like, you know, happy and like kind of dumb. Yeah, obviously. So, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll be wow. that person. That's okay. Wow, wow, wow. When you Google, if you just put the Incredible Journey in Google, the first two questions are: Is Incredible Journey a true story? And was there animal abuse in the Incredible Journey? Yeah, that I think there was. Damn, uh, which is really dark. It was definitely billed as a true story. I remember my mom telling me it was a true story when I read mm-hmm. the book when I was a kid. Oh, okay, so I just googled Zootopia hot box, and there's this whole thread on Reddit that's like, why did they make why did they have to make this box this hot? Amazing. Can you please send that to me immediately? Yeah. Okay, we'll put it, we'll put the link in the episode notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we'll funny. put like the BLM page, defund the police, and <laughs> why is this box so hot? Oh, wow. Oh Thanks, Anne. Yeah, you're welcome. This is a great start to my day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Claudia's candy. She, there is Twix, Three Musketeers. She ate some Doritos. Love a Dorito. And I think that's about it. Nice. Fantastic. I did a tallies review this week because it's been a really long time since I looked at all of our tallies. So we have now read 78 books total gals 
Jesus um, Christ. That's yeah. A lot of books. <laughs> yep. So what do you think has come up the most in terms of the descriptors at this point? I'll give you a hint. It used to be bossy, but something else has overtaken bossy. Sophisticated? Correct. Sophisticated mm. has the most tallies at 74 across the 78 books we've read. So comes up pretty much at least once per book. And then Anna's still sending <laughs> links about the fox being hot as I'm talking. Well, this headline is the internet is suddenly thirsty for the fox from Disney's Zootopia. Can you also send that to our text yes, message? Yes, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Bossy is still in second place with 68, but it's definitely on the wane. And just last last book, Jesse and Awful Secret, we saw it in quotation marks. Well, Emily's yawning at you right now. Wow. Okay. Not at so, you. There's tallies. <laughs> they wow. basically never described Jesse and Mallory. They did in like the first 20 books and we're still at like four references to Je Jesse telling jokes and 11 references to Mallory being practical. Health Foods at 44, Individuals 52, Almond Eyes 35, Exotic 22. It's definitely on the wane. Oh, it's still showing up, but it's definitely on the wane. We haven't had it in five books, so maybe, oh no, no, eight books. So maybe wow. it's gone. We'll see. 49 Sensitive, 67 Shy, just after Bossy. And Babyish hasn't shown up in about 20 books, but there's still 28 mm -hmm. of those. So we're trucking along. Wow. Yeah. A lot of, lot of data that I don't know what I'll do with it, but it's there. What do you, do you all have as your weirdest line? I forgot to write one down. Well, I think, I mean, Dom the animal hater is pretty good. <laughs> I like that. I had to. I really liked when they confronted the lady who had bought Cheryl. Well, they didn't, she didn't know it was a confrontation at first. They were like, where'd you get that dog? And she said, she cost the earth but she was worth it so i thought she Jeez. cost the earth was really good i've never heard anybody say that i've never heard that yeah, before either yeah either. so That's i really good. liked that as a way to say something was really expensive and then i also later in the book don references the babysitters club doing the high five which i thought was also very so funny. good oh, yeah. i like that one doing the, the high five, five. Or just doing the high five. Is that I'm it? I'm sure it's doing. I just wrote down the high five. Okay. So if it's not doing, let's see. Um, oh, giving each other the high five. It's not as good as doing. No. Okay. no. Yeah. No. So do we want to go with She Cost the Earth? Sure. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Great. Okay. Pizza toast. I know who, I don't, I don't know what I want a pizza toast to. Hot Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Nick the Hot Fox from Zootopia. <laughs> To the hot fox from Zootopia. As okay. does not like this. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Bart Taylor in this book. <sighs> Still God. hot. Yeah, I don't know. The fox is hotter, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I was going to pizza toast to the Crashers, but we can go with the hot fox from Zootopia. Yeah, it's really gone from you. Bart is hot to fox is hot. Fox is hot. Fox is hot. I wish that could be our episode title. Okay, pizza toast to oh, Nick wow. the Hot Fox from Disney's Utopia. <laughs> pizza toast to the Hot Fox. <laughs> As we have to say it. To Nick. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both the local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling doubly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friend the girl could ask for. <laughs> <laughs>